you know, there's all kinds of scenes that I respond to in movies. I respond to music sequences. Uh, I respond to big comedy sequences. It was like uh, they galvanized the, the entire theater. Everybody uh, woke up. Everybody got connected. And, you know, and I would go see a, a, a film that had a, a sequence like that. I would see it two or three times at the theaters just to see that sequence. And then just to have that experience uh, uh, with an audience. Welcome to Making Tarantino, the podcast. I'm your host, Philip Duke. On this podcast, uh, be warned, there will be spoilers because we're going to talk, we're movie fans. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. I'm joined uh, once again by Eric Clapp from Cinema Force on YouTube. Eric, welcome back. What's up? What's up? What's good? Uh, everything's good. I wanted to uh, start the show, though, by promoting my friend, my friend Tim Martin, who has been on our Hands on a Hard Body episode. He's made another short film that he's going to be taking to the film festivals. He has already made two other short films, Sushi and Whispers. This short film was written by Tim and Alex and directed by him. While they're still working on their feature-length project, they're doing these other things. So their feature-length one is Beyond the Mezzanine. And then they're trying to get money and you know funding for then they could do the, the feature-length Beyond the Mezzanine. They wanted to create another project while they raise funds. And being their first official film under the Cold Wind Productions banner and continuing to feature many recurring collaborators like Olivia Tennyson, Aaron Ryan, Ian Corbin, Braden Creel, and Arsenio Alvarez. So I say that because nobody knows these people, but someday you will. And I've told Tim, when you're doing a Marvel movie, I want to be like a security guard in your movie. And I'll be like, hey, don't go there. And Thor will kill me or something. <laughs> so... You'll um, be the one that will take the hammer. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Give me, see, I'll be the, uh, uh, what's the name in the Avengers? Um, ah, the guy from Alien that showed up at the, that you're like, oh my God, Dean, Dean Stockwell's in the, not Dean Stockwell. Harry Dean Stanton is in this movie. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Avengers yeah. when the Hulk fell through the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> Um, but okay, now that I got that out of the way, uh, you want to tell people about Cinema Force or uh, what? Sure, I could do that. I feel sure. like we did a podcast right before this. We went for like I know, well, it was two fun. hours before we started, but uh, so hopefully we can keep it together here. Um, sure, we can. <clears throat> um, yeah, Cinema Force. I started back in the summer of last year, and uh, it's just a YouTube channel. Right now, I have cinemaforce.net. You can go to that, and that'll link you to the YouTube page. And it's a series of cinema essays on different subjects about film and cinema. Uh, I do a lot of the essays myself. There's different series within the channel on cinema. Mm -hmm. And I have guest uh, essayists on there, um, from Michael Price to Mallory Roddick. Um, we have a lot of different ones on there. We just did the Iron Eagle films. We're about to do Sabata trilogy, uh, Ghost in the Shell one and two, and nice. uh, ScarJo version. Uh, so those are all coming up. So it's just kind of a fun thing. And uh, I'm on Instagram too. There's a lot of cool stuff on there, a lot of memorabilia and whatnot, and press materials on there. Yeah, it's really, I wish, and I could learn it, but I'm going to say this. Uh, for lazy me that i wish i could learn what you do which i could i wish i could do it 
because I wrote this thing of like movies that are in my head and heart, like scenes. So I wanted to do a voiceover and have these scenes of, you know, Rambo coming out of the mud uh, from Rambo two, um, the killer sliding the, the gun bag over to him and Danny Lee pulling the guns out, like all these little shots. I'm like, Oh, I could put those together. But I remember one time I was doing a YouTube video of me, like reviewing films. And I said, Oh, I'm going to, and I got this thing that I, it was like, Oh, it's free and you can get it. And I get it and it'll record your screen or the YouTube, but it pushes in on it. So when mm -hmm. I go to show the trailer for naked city, it was pushed in like way too much. So you couldn't see any of the good shit like, mm. you know, and so I was like, okay, I need to find a better way of whatever you use or something to be like, you know, or like, yeah. okay, I'll pay a little money to have this thing where I can, you know, record. I remember my buddy who worked, used to work for the TV station in LA was saying that there was a place where you could go where it was just clips of movies and you could just get those. And I was like, oh, okay. So, anyway that's well the cha the challenge on on these is is more the is more the youtube battle you face because when you upload uh -huh, it yeah you get all these copyright like oh you can't use this from you know right one second to 12 seconds but it never tells you like why you have the to trim that yeah. out or for how long and so you resubmit it and it's like nope still wrong nope still wrong Ugh. and so like and then some things like i just I guess we should mention I, I'm doing one on Life Force to coincide with this episode. Yeah. And that one went through first time, no, no issue. Huh. But Iron Eagle 3, like 35 different like cuts. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why Iron Eagle 3 is prioritized over Life Force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But for some reason it is. And so that's the biggest like pain in the butt with these essays is just, you know. I, I never thought of that. You talked me out of it. Thank you. Now yeah. you have no competition because I'm not joining the YouTube <laughs> uh, video essays. But it's the same thing with me doing reviews where sometimes I go, I'm going to write a review on Letterboxd. And then I go, well, I don't know. Like, what am I going to like? I would go too long with my review of like, oh, and then this and then that. But then, you know, part of me goes, well, I want to get more into that. Like, maybe I should. So anyway, yeah. I'm working on it for this new season. Uh, so we'll see. Well, rest assured, and, I have I have no intention of starting a podcast. So yeah, yeah. Well, you can. I welcome it, but uh, <laughs> I'll be on your podcast. Um, but no, you have a lot of work. Uh, you're busy with all the time. That's what we were talking about for two hours before this. Yes. Um. All right. Rate and review us, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Speaking of that, so everybody review us. No, we don't get that many reviews, but uh, we get some. My wife today, we we're watching something and it was like, look for us on Facebook and X. And my wife, you know, some commercial, my wife's like, what's X? And I go, that's Twitter. And she goes, so you can't tweet now because it's called X. And I'm like, I just call it Twitter. Like, I don't give a shit. She's like, yeah, okay. you don't want to go around telling people that you're X and they make yeah. the wrong idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're ready to get on with the show, we can. I, I did some research on this. You probably did way more than me, but. This is a movie that Canon actually spent money on the longest shooting time and highest effects budget that they would have until maybe Superman four. They wanted it to be the next Star Wars, which I didn't know, which is crazy, which was the same way they tried to sell Masters of the Universe. I could see that of like, 
Master of the Universe was so big at that time when that movie came out. And that's one of those things where you and I kind of talked about it, but rushing things like in a way you go Master of the Universe doing so good. You could see somebody being like, let's make a movie. But if they would have took a little more time and made it kind of like the cartoon, it might have been better. But, you know, unfortunately, yeah. no. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Canon and Golan and Globus. I mean, yeah. they they were unconventional in the way they they made films. They were they they were more interested in cranking stuff out as opposed yeah. to quality. But, but also think- it seems it seems though like they had fun making these movies like they were movie. At least one of them was real into movies. I think they both were, but was yeah. like, I like making movies. And so it was like kids with a playset, like, oh, we can make yeah. whatever we want. Like, let's do it. That's fun. And at the time, here's what's interesting. I don't know if you remember. And at the time, I think still like, let's say Invasion USA is like big at the time and people enjoy it now. Like it's a fun little mindless adventure, you know? Oh, yeah. I can't think of any others, but. All those canon films are just fun. Maybe the King Solomon's Mines, like you're like, oh, like, come on, like, really? You know? Well, I think too, like, part of it too is like, they're always like chasing. So, like, King Solomon's Mines, they're chasing Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, Invasion USA, they're probably chasing James Bond or something. And they want, they wanted to be kind of what those movies were. Yeah. But they were trying to hit you with, 10 smaller versions of that instead of one big one and i think they just hit a wall at one point and they're like well let's just try to let's try to do a couple of movies that will swing for the fences and see if we hit and eventually that was a bad idea because it bankrupt them and life force was one of the movies that was prime suspect for that but they they took a shot and they were like oh we got we can get the guy that made poltergeist. We can't get Spielberg, but we can get the guy that was coked out next to him (laughs) (laughs) on the set. So let's just give him all the money and let him do it and see what happens. Yeah. Well, and you know, and then they got Stallone. What was Cobra Canon film or no, but yeah, I think the top was I think they both were, I think there was like a distribution thing there. I think, Canon had something to do with Cobra. I don't know if they produced it and then Warner's released it. Yeah. I know Warner's released a lot of Canon bigger budgeted movies. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh but it's it's interesting because you would it's just like uh, Zoetrope did the same thing where he's like, "Oh, I can do whatever I want." And then it collapses cuz he's like, "Hey, uncle, you want to work for me? Hey, nephew, you want to work?" And everybody's working for Coppola. And then they're like, we don't have money to pay all these people and a big studio to, you know, we're going to have to close everything down. Yeah. You can only do that for so long in that business. It's very expensive. And, you know, eventually you're going to, you're going to hit a wall. And that's what Golden Globus did. (laughs) For sure. But we're here about Life Force 1985 that you can see on your phones or on your car. Uh, The plot, a race of space vampires arrives in London and infects the populace, beginning an apocalyptic descent into chaos. And this, of course, I didn't mention, but of course, everybody knows also from reading that this is Space Vampires Part 2 because we did Planet of the Vampires, which is interesting because Part 1, Planet of the Vampires, season finale of Season 1, was Dan O'Bannon me and Sam were like, oh, Dan O'Bannon totally fucking ripped this off. Like this total alien, like you land on the ship. Like who's this giant 
skeleton like what's going on and this is co-written by dan o'bannon and you're like oh my god how weird like yeah you're gonna be like let's get that guy yeah i feel like dan really liked space vampires <laughs> yeah something starring steve rails back as carlson colonel carlson peter firth as kane frank finley as followed falada so frank finley i was like I was like, that name sounds familiar. And he was in Sitting Target. He's one of the guys that escapes oh. from prison in Sitting Target. Excellent. Matilda May as Space Girl. Patrick Stewart as Dr. Armstrong. And Nicholas Ball as Darabridge. So I think I have all that. Is Darabridge like the guy that's helping them that ends up getting his neck broke? Is that Darabridge or is that the I other think, guy? I think so. I'm not 100% positive on that, but I think that's correct. What's interesting on here, I don't know if I said it on my on my uh, facts there are, but Matilda May, there's shots of Matilda May like behind the scenes and she's just naked. Like she's a French girl and she's fine with her nudity and she's like talking to people naked. And they were like, that was almost worse because we had to look her in the eye. <laughs> you had to like make sure you weren't moving your yeah. eyes while you talked to her. Yeah, um, I don't know. Did she do anything after this or? I was going to look. I think she was in a French film either before this or maybe after this. She's in some things that I looked and I saw that red haired girl. She was in some things. Um, yeah, now, when I rewatched it again, it she reminded me a lot of uh, Kate Beckinsale for some reason. That's she interesting. That. She was reminding me of Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, she reminded me a little bit of Jamie Gertz and some mm -hmm. of her like looks. Um, yeah, I can see that. Written by Colin Wilson, he wrote the novel Space Vampires. Cannon had the rights to this since the late 70s, calling it by the title of the book Space Vampires. And Luigi Cozy was supposed to direct it. After oh spending $25 million to make it, Cannon decided that they wanted a blockbuster instead of their normal exploitation films, hence the change to Life Force. Which is oh, weird, because then they talk about vampires in space and like just call it yeah. Space Vampires, but... I actually, actually like the the title Life Force because yeah. they do a, they do a good job in the movie too of explaining what the Life Force is. Yeah. yeah. Um, space vampires. Like I've seen a couple of uh, behind the scenes interviews with Toby Hooper on the set, and mm -hmm. he explains why they didn't use space vampires because it sounded like a cheap B movie, and I think he's right. Like, yeah. When when I think about it now, yeah, yeah. If you're like, I'm gonna go see space vampires, you're like, I don't want to go with you. But if you're yeah, like, I'm we're out. going to see Life Force. <laughs> oh, okay, let's go check it out. Yeah. And that that's the whole premise of like the Life Force and all that. But um, yeah, Dan O'Bannon and Dan Jacoby wrote the screenplay, and then unreaded it, uncredited writing is Michael Armstrong and Olaf Pooley. And um, did you find out what else Matilda May was in? I thought you were looking it up. Oh, no, I did not. I can look that up real quick. Um, directed by Toby Hooper while well, you do that. So he had a three-picture deal with Canon. He was coming off a rough few years as Poltergeist was a big deal. And the rumors that Spielberg directed it upset him. And I, I've talked about on the podcast where Spielberg wrote him a letter. There's a letter you can find online where Spielberg's like, it's definitely your movie. Like, forget what people are saying. Like, you know, you did good. Yeah. And I mean, I, I see a lot of Toby Hooper and Poltergeist. I, oh, yeah, me too. But I also see some Spielberg, too. But, yeah, you know, that's OK. I mean, you know, we'll never know who actually did that. But I I mean, there's some stuff in Poltergeist that will make your skin crawl. And I just don't feel like that was something that Spielberg at that time would be comfortable doing. But I definitely feel like Toby Hooper would 
become. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's have a guy pick his face apart. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, That's a great mirror. example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg would be like, do the before and after thing, Craig. That'd be funny. Like you're fat and then you're skinny like that, you know, <laughs> or or even like this had a scene where um, guys are coming with flashlights and I'm like, oh, this is wanting to be Spielberg, but not but filmed by Toby Hooper. So it doesn't look like Spielberg, you know. Yeah. And but, that was I think I mentioned this before earlier, but that was probably going in Globus's. Um, that was probably their idea was like, oh, we, we'll, we're never going to get Steven Spielberg, yeah. obviously. Hmm, yeah. But we can get that other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And he's done, you know, uh, all these special effects are great, but uh, he had been pulled off the dark and he was fired from Venom. And then Funhouse and Eaton Alive weren't as big as Chainsaw. So yeah. like that's my thing you and i talked about it on dawn of the dead but i feel some of these directors didn't come out you know toby hooper is not like i'm gonna make chainsaw and that'll define me forever you know just like george romero was like i have other movies that i made guys that i enjoy yeah. that i like you know they're not all zombie films and i think that's here where sometimes you are stuck in that mode of like oh you're the chainsaw guy like yeah let's get you know where it's like no i like doing the funhouse like funhouse is good no, and no. i did buy venom recently which i need to watch still but uh i heard it's really great got oliver and think, reed and klaus kinski in it oh my gosh i wouldn't want to be on that set <laughs> i know right they say um, that the audio commentary is great to listen to it's what edgar wright said so oh gosh i'll have to pick that up yeah i think back to toby you know this was a three-picture deal mm -hmm. and I think Life Force was the first, and then he got to do Invaders from Mars, which was a childhood favorite of his that he got to remake. Mm -hmm. But they only gave him this three-picture deal to do Life Force and uh, Invaders from Mars if he did a sequel to Chainsaw, which yeah. was part part two. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Chainsaw too. I think it's I think yeah. it's a great, great comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's full of fun. And I could see him being like, like they said, he just was like, oh, I can do whatever I want with this. Yeah, I'll do it. Like, yeah. cool, you know. And, yeah, and don't get me wrong, everybody. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the best horror movie ever. One of them, like when I first saw that when I was younger and we have it on our list, we'll do it sometime on the show. When I first saw that, I thought that Hitchhiker was a, a guy that they got off the street to be and then later you look at you're like oh that guy was an actor like it's yeah. almost like i would hate to be typecast as that just like i'd hate to be arnold horshack typecast as that hate to be squiggy and hate to be the guy that rapes gina davis in the parking lot of thelma louise everybody's like don't do this dude you're gonna be this guy and you know yeah it was a uh, ed, ed neal i think that's his name uh he was <laughs> yeah he was he was great yeah the guy from text from uh the first one. yeah the guy yeah. that gets in the van with the yeah. with Cuts the his camera and aluminum yeah. foil and <laughs> yeah oh, so good um but once hooper had his money and freedom he was beyond excited seeing the film as his chance to remake quartermass and the pit in oh, fact yeah. he said quote i thought i'd go back to my roots and make a 70 millimeter hammer film um which i'll get to in a minute let me finish this uh, but I want to get to this quartermass thing. But Hopper turned in an initial film that was 128 minutes long, starting with 12 minutes of near silence and space, 
aboard a space shuttle. This is 12 minutes longer than the final version, which had several scenes cut, most of them taking place on the space shuttle Churchill. Three actors, John Woodnut, John Forbes Robertson, and Russell Summers, ended up completely cut from the final film. As was some of the Henry Mancini score, even worse, the film went way over schedule and cost so much that the film was shut down when the studio ran out of money, leaving some of the most important scenes unshot. There's a couple things. You're a fan of these Quartermass films. I have not watched any of these, and I'm excited to. Something else, everybody, go to his YouTube channel right now and watch this Life Force. Pause this. Watch the Life Force YouTube video. Because on there, you talk about Quartermass, but you talk about Hammer films. And I didn't, I've seen this movie several times, maybe two, three times. Maybe not all the way through, but most of them. And this time watching it, I really got the Hammer feel from it. I was like, oh my God. And I don't think it's just because they're British. It's got that feel to it. You're like, I can see it. Like, it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, just the the color, the production design, like the greens, the, the reds, the, the lower angle shots, the different, yeah, yeah. the way they're framed. Um, I think I mentioned that essay too. If you, I think particularly like quarter mass, uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying it, it is quarter mass, not quarter. Quater, mass. Yeah. See, I keep saying, I, yes. I do that all the time. I'm I, a fan. Yes. Um, but yes, in quarter mass in the, in the pit, which is the third one, Mm-hmm. Um, there's oh, uh, see, I thought that was the first. Okay, school me the, on it. Let's go. The one in the 50s, Quatermass uh, experiment with an X. Okay. Um, that's the first one. And then there's Quatermass 2. And that one's in black and white as well as the first one. And then Quatermass in the pit was the third one that mm-hmm. Hammer did. And that one in particular is about, um, they're all about alien stuff coming back to Earth and causing a virus of some sort. But that one in particular is a huge uh, influence on Life Force. You can easily tell, like, all the destruction at the end of Life Force looks exactly like the destruction at the end of Quatermass in the Pit. Um, The characters, the trench coats, you know, that kind of thing, the way people carry themselves. Um, You know, even even though the aliens in Quatermass in the Pit look like giant grasshoppers, they're still like like in this one they're bats yeah you know so they're they has that element to it and the Quatermass movies are all about what if we go to space that's all great yay for us but then we come back with something like a virus yeah and we wipe out mankind are we better off not going yeah (laughs) yeah you know and that's where life force sort of takes the ball and runs with it you know and that's where like it it's interesting because this movie you wonder if you wonder we've said it before i use the name tangential cinema or the veins of cinema it's the thing of when you're watching this you're like oh event horizon a little bit of them the ship is all burnt out when the columbia shows up and everything's burnt and you're like i could see somebody being like let's take that idea and expand on that what happened to the ship you know mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. And something else that's interesting, that bat person at the end, I was like, that's almost way better, done way better, of course. But it reminds you of uh, the golden child with that demon that he became was like this weird, like with wings and just 
or real bad CGI, the worst CGI in movie history in 1984. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to tell you too, at the, you talked yes. about the bad at the end. You talk about the one where he stakes him at the end. Where he's in front. Church. Yeah. In front of that's the- actually uh, Mick Jagger's brother. Oh really? Oh yeah. wow! That's he wanted cool. to be a movie star, and they, he got to be a, one of the naked twins in that movie. <laughs> I put, I put uh, at the end because we're going to jump around. But at the end, I put that he looks like the guy that plays Reacher, Alan Richson. Mm. Looks like a younger version of him, like his face and everything. But yeah, yeah I can see him. He's a good-looking guy. And my other thing that I wrote here that I'll say now: I wish the guys would have been naked as well. Like, I think yeah. they should have like done it both the exact same hundred percent all the way. But, you know, I think back X, then that would have got you an X for sure. I mean, when you think about it, remember when the piano came out and everybody's like Harvey Keitel's, you know, total frontal nude nudity and same thing with, you know, the lieutenant, yeah. uh, bad, lieutenant. bad lieutenant. Everybody's like, oh, my God. And it's like, OK, it was a big thing. So I could see then, you know, you go 10 yeah. years before that. It's like, whoa. Well, I remember Bad Lieutenant was NC-17. Yeah, at least that's the, right. The version, at least the version I saw in theaters it was. And then yeah. I think for video, yeah, then they had the, R, they R cut. cut and, yeah, I think then they cut the church stuff and something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And probably the frontal new. But yeah, that's... But I wish that, but also no. And then the other thing about them shaving her, where they kept saying, there w- there's different things that you read. I don't know which I believe. There was one where they did shave her and then she goes walking. They're like, wait a minute. You can see her totally like, no, we need to cover that up. Like she needs. And then there were stories that, okay, trim her. Cause he, Toby Hooper's like, I want her pubes to be really like barely there, like almost naked. And then they, there were stories that maybe they just dropped some hair by her feet and was like, look, we did it. And they're like, okay, let's go. You know? So who knows if that was true or not? I did. I, I was rewatching it, just kind of scanning through it. Uh huh. Right. Right. Uh huh. Just for research purposes only. And <laughs> I did course. notice. I did notice a shot or two that I had noticed before. But there's a side shot of her, <laughs> and she is. It's when I guess she first confronts the security guard, mm-hmm. and the lightning starts. And you mm-hmm. can. I think I could pretty well tell. Like she was wearing like a stocking suit all the way up her leg to her waist. Oh, interesting. And I don't know if that was, if there was a reason for that. Maybe there was a special effect, like, like, you know, some explosion or something might like damage her leg or something like that. But I wonder if that was because they were talking about the one guy that worked on the set was saying when she came down the stairs, he was like, this was like obscene and pornographic. So maybe they were like, we got to, they did say they covered up some things just in case the camera caught it. Yeah. so that they wanted to cover that up so maybe it was something like that i do know they made like prosthetic like uh feet yeah coverings for her so she could walk on the glass because there's a lot of glass breaking yeah 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 i had heard that yeah um you want to get to some listener opinions yeah let's go for it we have a bunch we have more than planet of the vampires so here they are man i don't even have an opinion well, you got to have an opinion. Sam Panico from BNS about movies and Driving Asylum wrote, quote, the first few times I watched this movie, I didn't get it. It's such a big movie and not what I expected. The more times I've watched it, the more I've loved it more and more. It's audacious because it's a hammer movie with so much nudity and wild effects. 
There's no way it was going to be as big as Lucas or any blockbuster. Yet it has its own weird charm. Also, I can't believe I already said it once. How much nudity is in the movie? Matilda May was literally getting shaved down repeatedly between scenes to appear hairless. There isn't another movie like this. That's what you can say about Toby Hooper's movies. Even if Rob Zombie seems devoted to remaking Chainsaw and Eaten Alive, end quote. So, yeah, I get that, too. There's things, there's certain directors and certain things that you just can't do. You know, you can't redo someone's stuff. And especially like you and I said, you're never going to. Same thing that Rob Zombie did with Halloween. You can't redo Chainsaw and have it be as effective as that first time. You know, is he is he really going to redo Chainsaw? That's what I, I think he's devoted. It says devoted to remaking. I think he's probably devoted to it. And I think hopefully there's going to be a lot of fight against it. I would hope. Oh, my gosh. But uh, Marcus God, James. God help us all. I know, right? Marcus James Heslop on Twitter wrote, quote, I absolutely love it. It's completely bonkers, but it's never dull. It's visually astounding, has a great score, and features Guy Standeven in a single shot. Guy was in hundreds of films and TV shows, and I wrote his biography. So there was a picture when he sent me this, a picture of Gary Standeven. So he's just a guy that would show up, not like a Dick Miller, but just a guy that was, you know. So this guy wrote a biography. Pretty cool. William Keaton on Twitter wrote, quote, beautiful alien vampire walks around naked. Killing folks is the greatest plot in any film ever. End quote. Caesar Augusto from uh, Rad Revival House on Twitter wrote, quote, one of the coolest adult sci fi movies outside of Alien for me. End quote. A cut above horror review on Twitter shared that they also did an episode. And he was like, look them up. If you want a more life force stuff, go look up uh, cut above horror review spoon lamp i like that name on twitter wrote quote i can remember the first time i watched it on vhs quote come and look at this vampire she's stunning absolutely stunning come and look look oh my god she's stunning you can feel the vampire hypnosis effect through the telly stunning i have to get to london immediately end quote (laughs) bloatiness on Twitter wrote, quote, it's one of the most epic B movies of all time and one of the best films of the Quatermass type, end quote. Handsome Post Cinema Punk on Instagram wrote, quote, a f- oh, flawed, it corrected me, a flawed sci-fi horror movie that could have been better. I would rather watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 instead. Good visual effects by John Dykstra. Unfortunately, the assets of Matilda May cannot save this film, end quote. That's highly debatable. I know, exactly. Um, Piecing Pod on Instagram wrote, quote, this is on a short list of movies that I might have seen when I was like seven and gave me nightmares for years. I'm going to watch all the movies that I think it might have been in a row one day and see if I can figure it out, end quote. Cinema Recall on Instagram wrote, quote, it's one of the movies Toby Hooper made for Canon Films that is good, but let's face cold, hard facts. The only reason anyone remembers this flick are the moments when Matilda May is on screen. After she leaves, I don't remember much of what happens, end quote. Again, highly debatable, semi-debatable. The Simon Collins on Instagram wrote, quote, I love it. A fun film, beautifully shot and designed. 
great physical and optical effects, wonderful score. And to top it all, the fond memories I have of playing a walking shrivel and my dressing room next to Toby's room was a highlight. What a fun, kind, sweet man he was with a heart emoji, end quote. The Coltworthy Studios on Instagram wrote, quote, I'll get to it eventually, either on the Coltworthy or the new show. Huge fan of it, but not sure which direction I want to come from. And no, I don't only like it for the boobies, end quote. <laughs> Terrible Pod on Instagram wrote, haven't seen this in a long time. I remember it having some fun effects based on a book, I think, question mark. Uh, Mr. Kent Boogeyman on Instagram wrote, quote, one of Toby Hooper's most underrated classics, end quote. Scott Phillips on the Video Archives podcast fans page on Facebook wrote, quote, love them both, meaning Planet of the Vampires and Life Force. That's how I shared it on that page. John Egbert, my friend on Facebook, on my Facebook page, wrote an alien with nice tits, end quote. Philip Meller on the Making Tarantino the podcast Facebook page wrote, quote, not seeing Planet of the Vampires, did see Life Force back in the day on video, not at the cinema because the reviews weren't great. It's a really odd film, a collective madness in which they blew 25 mil on a Quatermass type flick with batshit acting across the board that was never going to make its money back. Only an utter moron would have thought this was a good idea. I'm glad they made it, though. It's a hugely entertaining film, end quote. So quote. that, yeah, that's the thing where I believe like the acting, you could say it's over the top, but like Patrick Stewart screaming and then the the other guy screaming just makes you uncomfortable in the theater. I could see being like, oh, my God, like, when's that going to stop? And then yeah. he'll stop and then he screams again. And you're just like, oh, like so good. Yeah, I think like my like I think as far as like the casting goes, um I'm not a huge Steve Railsback fan. Right. And I think maybe he is a little overpowered <laughs> by mm -hmm. people around him in this movie. Yeah. I like him as a character actor. Yeah. But I think he I think as a lead, this was maybe a bit much for him to hold to carry because he has to do a lot. Like, yeah. Well, and you know. it's it's interesting because you say it in your essay of that he's kind of the lead and then he drops away from being the lead and then it's this other guy and then he comes back in. And for me, I'm still like I'm on this whatever cop men in black guy. I'm on his side. You know, I'm more yeah. following him. But it, what else has uh, Steve Rails back? I know the name, but what is uh, other movies he's been in that um, you might know? At that time, I think he was known for the stuntman. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. He was in a few other things. But um, he reminded me of a poor man's version of Tommy Lee Jones, but also a little Anthony Perkins. Toward the end, I was like, he's got a little yeah. Anthony Perkins in him. Not great at acting wise, <laughs> but he's got some Anthony Perkins. He was also in a really, like, one of the best episodes of uh, uh, X Files. I remember back in the day, he was in a really good episode of that. Oh, interesting. Uh, he did a lot of TV. I know he did some Kojak and oh cool. Uh stuff like that. He was he was kind of bigger in the 70s, I think. Um but yeah, I I like him as a character and everything, but like like you just mentioned, um the protagonist problem is a big problem because like you said, it's like he 
he's set up as our guy. Yeah. But we don't know. We have zero backstory on him. Yeah. We don't know anything about him. We don't really care. Yeah. 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 And then he kind of goes away for a while. And then we're introduced to this trench coat detective guy. Yeah. Who's like way cooler than Steve Railsback, you know? Yeah. He's kind of like this British badass guy, you know? Yeah. And, you know, not respecting authority. And we're like, okay, this is our guy now. And Steve Railsback's going to be the crazy guy. And then all of a sudden, Steve Railsback comes back. Yeah. And then he's with Colin. I mean, uh, I guess Carlson and what was his name? Kane. Yeah. So, Kane, yeah. so you, you got that these two guys are together and then they're apart. And yeah. So, and, but then you just have no backstory on the Colonel Kane guy. Yeah. And so yeah. you're, you're just sort of thrust in with them. And I understand that you can do that in a movie where you're just sort of thrust yeah. in with some people with no backstory, but they're, they're both kind of, I don't know. They're just hard to get behind. And I think that's yeah. what pulls people out of the movie. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's the fact of, Steve Railsback, like if it was somebody else leading it, it might have done better. I understand that it is that people you watch this movie, it's a good movie. It's not where you're like, oh, this when you know the backstory, you're like, oh shit, this is all they're trying to piece it together and make it work. But it works, I think. I think it's good and I like it. I didn't give it a highest rating, but we'll get to that later. But the Henry Mancini music in the beginning is like beautiful. I'm like, Oh my God. But then they say like some is what Michael Cayman and some is him. Like, yeah, they said all... that they, they brought Cayman in to kind of bridge some scenes or something that they redid or I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I love Michael Cayman too, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when you start off with that Mancini score in space and it's like bump ba da ba da bump ba da ba da bump ba da ba da bump bump, you're like, oh my yeah. god, we're going on like a badass adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's gonna, go. Like, and they're just slap you right in the face with it. And the whole premise is great of like, you know, we're going to see what's inside Haley's comet, and then all of a sudden, like, oh shit, what is this thing? There's a spaceship hiding in there, and you're like, oh my god, like how cool. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's just such a, a great great setup you know i think yeah. you got to give props to jacoby and and uh dan uh o'bannon for that uh kind of creative way of like incorporating Haley's comet being here every so often and yeah. and that it? it was coming the next year so they were yeah. like oh it'll you know this will work great yeah but something that's interesting so then they find this bat-like creature but I put here, what would we really do? Like I talked about on Planet of the Vampires where I was like, Ripley did the right thing. She's like, there's a protocol. You guys are quarantined. You can't come on. I don't know what happened to you guys. You can't come on the ship. And they override her and they come on anyway. And of course, all hell breaks loose and it's their fault. And, you know, if if uh, Tom Skerritt was a better captain, he would know that, no, you're right. We should. But he's worried about his friend. Yeah. Um what would we do here though? Like we're showing up, you don't know what this place is. Like nowadays I'm thinking like they would maybe scan the thing. Maybe they'd send a robot in there of some sort, like some kind of drone. And I don't know how drones yeah. work in space, but some sort of probe. Some, yeah. They'd send something in to check everything out and not just be like, let's wrap this thing up. What are these people? Let's wrap them up and bring them. And when you and I are standing there over her body in the little, 
coffin thing and you go, I don't feel too good. I'm going to go, wait a minute. I'm feeling kind of weird too. Okay. You leave. We need to all leave right now, you know, yeah. but of course then we wouldn't have a movie. So, but that's well, just something I was wondering, like, what would we really do? Like we would just either haul it back or just be like, it's up there. Let's go. You know? Well, this is where like Hooper, like, starts the hammer stuff for me like at the yeah, first you're kind of like sure. in a kubricky sort of mm -hmm. space journey and not a lot of dialogue and stuff like that and then once get, you get in there and you see the coffins yeah just you could easily just put christopher lee in her coffin yeah yeah and yeah. switch the the genders and yeah. you know we're off to the race on like dracula in space yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah mean, exactly oh yeah. so good but that's the other thing something else just for movie wise you said 2001 i was thinking 2001 because of their space space suits and they're walking but it's the thing where you go 1969 like fucking now we're in 1985 and it still doesn't look as good as fucking kubrick doing it you know oh yeah well yeah like yeah. so so cool <clears throat> but but yeah it after this, it starts. Um, and I don't know if it's his acting or if he's mesmerized by the light. What do you think? You think that's that's him being already affected by, you know, before they find the bodies? Oh, Carlson. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, just like the Hammer Dracula movies where. Um, yeah, the you know, someone is drawn to that castle. Yeah. They don't know why. Yeah. Everyone in the town has told them do not go <laughs> yeah, there. Stay away. Yeah. But they're like, I'm going there. I, I yeah. have to go there. For some reason, I have to go there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of, that's another book that I have to read. I bought that. Uh, I, we were talking off mic about I have all those books, and that was the other book I couldn't think of that I need to read is that Dracula book that you, you had a picture of that you, when you did oh, the, yeah the thing um so something is happening to him that one guy is like something feels weird and even carlson is like weird and then they're like let's take all three bodies and it's really cool because when it said 30 days later i thought okay they're already going to be back and it's going to kick off but no 30 days later they're stuck up in space and the columbia rest in peace has to go and get them from no the challenger not the columbia never yeah, i think it's the challenger. yeah the challenger exploded the columbia goes up to get him yeah um the churchill yes it has to get the churchill and and that's where you're like oh shit there was a fire and everybody's dead and so then i'm like no i know rails back's coming back but then they go oh yeah there was an escape pod that you know is gone and it's really interesting because there's a real good jump scare right there when they go in to look around and all of a sudden dead bodies are floating by and it just cuts to that right away. And you're like, Oh shit. And it has the bum bum. And they find the three bodies unhurt by the fire. And they're like, okay, let's bring them with us. And I love the newscast. When the newscast started, I was like, not that newscast, the newscast before when the movie started, I was like, this sounds authentic. And it was from a real newscaster that was doing news for since the sixties. And yeah. he was the guy that did the whole thing about Haley's comet. Um, but then they had the real newscast, which was evil star, which I was like, that's really great. Like that is stuff where I could see you also as a book writer being like, Hey, I'm going to go with this. Although I think they added the Haley's comet. Yeah. His yeah. book was different. Yeah. 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 And I think that in the book too, um the book 
the uh, the story took place like well into the, like the 21st or 22nd century mm-hmm. so it was well into earth's future and then and this one obviously probably for budget right they set it in modern times but you know use the Halley's comet as a yeah uh, Halley's comet as a as a plot device which is yeah, brilliant yeah. yeah yeah really cool and then um and I don't mean to walk through this you could stop me at any time we could jump around wherever but that one guard is drawn to her and he walks over to her and that guy's sitting in his and I didn't get that guy's name the guy that's in his office and he's watching his monitor and he sees her like kissing him sees them kissing and he's like what the hell and then she drains him of his life force and I just call him the boss he sees it and runs down there and she tries to take his life force but fails right and then and I like too how in a way it's just that normal thing and again it's a way to be like we don't need this character right now we'll bring him in later but where they're like are you okay and he's like no i need to go rest and they're like go on home and rest and then come back where he's not like i'm ready let's go get her you know (laughs) and she's in the main lobby and the guards are trying to catch her and the ones holding up a cracker like (laughs) a cookie or a cracker like like a dog like come here it's okay yeah yeah that, and, that, that that whole sequence is great i love that whole yeah. sequence yeah it's it's funny where it's got the humor you know did you say she's naked and then she comes down and then they're just kind of and what he said um toby hooper said was like this was like making people deal with their feminine side like that's what this whole thing is about like so it makes when they're like, oh, it's just a woman, like they just go gaga over her, like, yeah. oh my god, you know, which yeah. is understandable. It's like we have a hostile alien in here, yeah, but she's really hot. It's yeah, it's <laughs> it's like I've said about when uh you and I talking about ET, where yeah, you're gonna have guns because you don't know what this alien can do. You're gonna have guns chasing eleven and Stranger Things because she can do crazy shit and flip a van over. So. You know, yeah, you need to, you know, be on your guard and don't just be like, who's this nude woman? But then again, that's what you do when everybody needs to be involved in that building with we have an alien on the property as opposed to there's some naked woman coming down the hall. Oh, okay, Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about the the two lead protagonists of this movie, too, or co-protagonists. And the scene you just described Mm -hmm. is about 30 minutes into the movie. We have not yet met Hain. Yeah. Like he yeah, is very not true. involved yeah. in the story. Yeah. So that's another disconnect. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, not that you have to obey the three act structure, but you need to introduce all your characters in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. And you can't just throw in a main guy at minute Yeah. Just 30. showing up. Yeah. <laughs> it, but in a way, you go, well, that's cool. Like, I like that they just, when you think about that, like, yeah, everybody, you're like, okay, who am I following? And then this guy yeah. shows up and you're like, okay, cool. Like it's different, but yeah. Well, you, you've literally like, got, I mean, I'm looking at it now on my screen. You've literally got 10, 12, 13 minutes without any lead character on screen. Yeah. 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 Very it's true. just a bunch yeah. of horny guys trying to figure out a hot alien chick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And then when she blows those windows out, which is a cool effect and she leaves and then they show the dead body, which is a really cool effect. Like first you're like, okay, it's a just a dead, like a dummy, like a dead guy. 
But then later when it's like moving and shit, you're like, this is fucking great. Like, I love it. Oh, yeah. That was one of the first things. Like when I first saw this movie and I guess it was in high school, I didn't see it because I think I was like 13 or 14 when it came out and Mm -hmm. I was a little young, but I had an older friend that like said, oh, yeah, you got to see it. You got to see it. And those skeleton effects, uh, trying to remember the guy that did the animatronics. Oh, no, he, uh, he didn't do the animatronics, but all the, all the, you know, deformed or, you know, yeah. lifeless bodies that come back to life. Those are really freaky. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even back then you knew it was an animatronic, but it was still creepy as hell. I, and it's, I, was, I think it still holds up. I, w- I was thinking that later on, the lady from Hyde Park, when she's jerking around on the bed, I'm yeah. like, if that was in a horror house, like you know a haunted house that you're too like you'd be like holy shit like yeah is that like a real person with like a suit on or something there you know? yeah their eyes moving and everything is just really cool and um the uh and this one they say the churchill the you know the escape pods missing and now the two male aliens wake up so this part was cool although again you guys didn't get the memo don't destroy an alien race because we might need to do some studies on it but then again destroy the alien race because they're very bad right. um but they wake up and two of the guards shoot them and then blow them up so that part's cool too it reminds you of terminator him being shot as he's walking down the thing but they're doing like not even the effects of like terminator just pushing the body and having the squibs go off they're having um these guys just they cut to them and they got bullet holes on them and it's really yeah. cool notice they didn't try to shoot uh, matilda may or throw a grenade at her yeah yeah exactly. but the guys yeah gung-ho yeah, go yeah, all the way exactly yeah kill these guys <laughs> that girl's got nice boobs don't hurt her um but the dead so then i put here dead guard great effect when when now he comes to life because he takes the the uh the guy's life force but now he's freaking out over what he's done which is really cool like he he's come to life but part of him on the inside that we find out through the hypnosis that they're still kind of there sharing the body, he's freaking out like, oh, my God, did I do that? Did I kill this guy? And then they grab him. And um, it's re- I just like that. And then I like that they have the two hour thing. I I just and maybe I need to move my rating up, but we'll get to that later. But yeah, I, li- I like the little the things that they figured out and i like now they're like there's a dead woman found in hyde park this is what also the other day kind of connected same thing with like the movie fallen with denzel washington there's a movie called the hidden and i saw there was a clip of it on instagram and i'm watching it and i'm like is this twin peaks because he's an fbi agent and he's at a table <laughs> yeah. and these guys are messing with him and he ends up kicking him, telling him to leave the girl alone, ends up kicking him, taking all their guns and putting it in the fryer. And I go, oh, no, this is the hidden. I remember this now. Yeah, great movie. And, and that's another one where you didn't know who was who. Like, yeah, you know, and same thing with Fallen. Like, I love in the movie Fallen, it it's given by touch. And he's chasing him through a busy street. And they're touching all the way yeah. around the corner. And he like he's way behind it. The first person. It's really cool. Yeah. And that's something that is explained in the first Quatermass uh, film mm-hmm. from the 50s that Hammer did. And it um, this this 
the plot of that movie is a spaceship is in space, mm-hmm. comes back, two of the astronauts are dead, and then one of them is alive, but his flesh is all messed up, and he doesn't remember certain things. He looks different. His facial structure is different. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to when the life force is taken out in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's kind of what separates it from like the Hammer Dracula movies is that the life force is a replacement for the blood basically yeah yeah but but the life force you're actually like inhaling another species and you're you've merged those two together and you are now one and that's why he's confused like he he doesn't understand what he is yeah or what he needs yeah and that like she says you learn the language like they learn everything you know it's all just kind of downloaded to them yeah and uh now the original guard who was infected after two hours dies which is cool again though they put him in that thing i'm like he could grab any of this stuff but he's in this little uh shelter area yeah and he ends up dying and it's really cool because he dies in a cool way like he you know because his life force is going away but then when that guy stabs him with a stick and his chest like his um his rib cage pops open and he's just full of sand yeah. And it's like, oh, wow. And then they go to then they go to the other one, right? Mm-hmm. To the doctor. And now the doctor like runs at the cage and explodes. Really cool yeah. fucking effect. Like, oh, yeah, it's great. And creepy. They're, yeah. And they're just covered in that dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that guy, I, th- I forgot what the actor's name is, but he pulled out his handkerchief. <laughs> oh, to I kind of clean himself that. off. Oh, <laughs> um, and now they find the escape pod in Texas. And this is where I put rails back is like a poor man's Tommy Lee Jones. Um, they're now talking to the colonel and the colonel tells his story. And that first guy's like, I feel drained. And here's where I, a great direction and shots in this movie. Like when they find the dead body of that guy, of the guy that he says tore up the communication thing. It's shot from like up above and then down below. It's like mm-hmm. really cool. And the colonel says, well, my will held out, so I survived, you know, but also kind of you see him go into the escape pod and lock himself in there while they're all going crazy, then comes out what? And they're dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it like later on in the movie, like he uh, explains that, that he has, when she first met him, that he also got her memories and her knowledge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's almost like he knew I got to get out of here because I know what she's going to do. Yeah. 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 So he had a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Telepathically speaking. Yeah, Cause that's why, <laughs> that's why like they explain that he didn't know that those coffins are like their protective bubble and mm-hmm. they're not just, and he's like, I was burning the whole place. So I'd burn them up. And when those, astronauts show up they're like oh the bodies are okay let's you know haul them back and so you know he had good intentions and then also he explains i was the one that destroyed the communication i was the one that you know i didn't want this to get out and uh now in two days the long spaceship will arrive on earth he dreamed this was a cool too he dreams of her but wakes up screaming it was filmed well it makes you jump where he first wakes up screaming and she's there. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. And then he wakes up again. Cause that was a dream. 
and oh, that was very that was very hammerish yeah 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 and right in the camera and oh yeah they hypnotize him and see if he can reach her with his mind he can this part was cool too he sees her in a different body and a man gives her a ride and they're like what kind of what's the license plate and i like that a little touch what's the yeah. license plate uh two r two b it might be an r you know i'm not sure two l or whatever and yeah and that guard... scene not to interrupt cut you off but mm -hmm. that scene no with problem. the woman in the field walking yeah finding the old guy in the car uh, that movie felt like it was like out of like a roland movie where it was going to be like a lesbian vampire movie or yeah, something yeah, it felt yeah, like like real like or something what was that yeah dream? almost like a yeah. argento movie or something yeah. you know and it it but for some reason it fits. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It seemed like yeah, gauzy and ethereal, and yeah, it's really cool. Um, and now we see the giant spaceship. A guard shows up to talk to Falada, and he recognizes him as one of the aliens. And then it cuts away, which is really fucking cool. Because then you're like, now you're paying attention to what you're seeing on the screen, but in the back of your head a little bit, you're like, wait a minute, that guard, that was the same guy, you know yeah Mick Jagger's brother or the other one um they tracked Keith Richards yeah yeah they they track the man in the Volvo down and find out that he dropped the female off at a psychiatric hospital now this part is so fucking cool they arrive at the hospital and they find her and this is where you meet Patrick Stewart and uh he's sir now but back then he wasn't sir so I'm going to call him Patrick Stewart um so she has so he grabs her and he's slapping her around and he's like what have you done and then he's like i think she's gone but he's still being abusive to her like trying to find yeah. out where she is and yells at her to leave the body and they feel the alien has went into a child murderer and they're going to hypnotize him so they're like can we talk to him yes will he will this drug work on him is that good and patrick stewart's like yeah and gives a nod like it's okay then while they're doing that, Kane is holding the needle and he's like checking it out. And you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden they're cause they're getting ready to hypnotize him right as they are ready to give him an injection. They grab Patrick Stewart and give him the injection. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like I'd seen this movie several times. I remember the scene on the bed, but I forgot about this scene. And you're like, Holy shit. Like what a surprise. Like, and then they're like, how did you know? Well, what was it that he said? He's like, I forget how he said, oh, I probably have it here, but it's cool because he screams. And again, it scares you because it's a scream of an alien trying to defend itself, like has nothing to do. And it's a very cool twist I wrote here. Oh, yeah. When he touched the colonel's shoulder, he could read his mind. So colonel's like, I knew it was him because when he touched my shoulder, I saw or it was her. Armstrong Stewart is channeling her. And this is a part where they're kissing and it's Patrick Stewart and him kissing, but it's her, but it's yeah. also, you know, a winged beast. <laughs> so I think there's a, a famous story that Patrick Stewart told on one of the late night talk yeah. shows where Leno asked him or something. I guess it was Leno asked him, yeah. like, what was your first screen kiss? And he said, Steve Railsback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a it's a really interesting scene because there's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, there's some Quatermass stuff in there where Quatermass always has to think like one step ahead, mm -hmm. you know, oh, and that's cool. yeah. that's kind of like 
that kind of that kind of feel to it but yeah patrick stewart that was the first movie i'd ever seen him in probably this and dune came out around the same time yeah yeah and so that was kind of my first kind of awareness of of him um and, and i on the rewatch it is funny that they have to put him in a wheelchair to get him up to the room <laughs> yeah yeah i was like oh my god this is like an early uh professor x movie here well well i didn't <laughs> been around the room too what i had connected that with because it made me jump to that because he was a good bad guy in it was um ah shit the mel gibson movie where they tie mel gibson to the wheelchair and patrick stewart's questioning him because payback you know, was it no no it was um fuck starts with a c damn it um Shit, it was done by Donner. Why can't I think of it? Oh, conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. Thank yeah. you. Um, where he's tied to the chair, Patrick Stewart's yelling at him and questioning him, and then he ends up falling down the stair in the elevator. The yeah, the wheelchair breaks and whatever. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, go, was, yeah, go ahead. That's a great scene. I, I love that scene. Yeah, but that's what it made me think of. Of him in the wheelchair made me think of Mel Gibson in the wheelchair. Him questioning him. But yeah, I never thought of yeah Professor X in a wheelchair. She says that she loves the colonel, but again, it's her. She says that she became the feminine in his mind, which is interesting because he still is so. Her power is so powerful over him that even Kane is like, she's just what you want you to what you want her to see. She's an alien like you don't get it. And he's like, yeah. no, no, <laughs> like, no, she got boobies. Um, shit goes crazy. So. When after she tells him that, like everything starts swirling around, and is he still screaming? Right? Yeah, it kind of goes in and out, and then he turns yeah. into her and turns back, yeah. and yeah. And then and so now, then Kane goes up, gives two shots to him, which is cool, and then he's like, "Bring me more every time. Like we need. How long will this last? This long? Okay, we need to keep doing this. Um, if they haven't found all the victims, it is still spreading. So now that's another you're like, oh, shit, what are they going to do? It's that thing of it's a thing in movies where it's always like, well, what's the plan? How do you destroy this? You know, uh, dare I bring up covid? It's spreading. How do we stop it? What are we going to do? I don't know. You know? Yeah. And well, then that's that's the that's the problem in all the Quatermass films is that. Yeah, there is a, a thing going on here that I don't understand. So how do you expect me to stop it if I don't understand? It? Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to let this play out a little bit in, uh, in order to get some information to, to figure yeah, out, to figure out if we it. can yeah. find a, a weakness. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, the two boys haven't died. Falada killed one of them. So Falada's like, now we get back to Falada and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I killed one. And you're like, but did he, is he one of them? Like what's going on? But then you see the dead body and you're like, he's like, I stabbed him not in the, he stabbed him in the stomach. Cause that's where his life force is. And that's what killed him. So you're like, okay, now we kind of have, that's how to kill him. But, um, so yeah, that's the, the space sword thing, right? Where, yeah. 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 I think, wasn't that explained though? Also that, because the comet comes around so many years that it's been coming around since the beginning of earth. And that's what, that's where we got vampire lore from to begin with. Is that, I think so. Yeah. And the Colonel yeah. does say later when he's talking to her, he's like, they've been here before. Yeah. You're like, Oh shit. But that's another cool part. If so, I might've missed a little bit of that, 
but that's really cool. Like that's where we got the lore. Like that's just, you know, those cool little add ons that you're like, no, this isn't a horrible. Movie. It's a fun movie. Like, yeah, you know, they're not, and you the could same, even, but you could put up with invasion of the USA. Like it's that type yeah, of fun movie. You can even like, like I didn't, I didn't know anything about hammer when I saw this movie the first time. I knew nothing about it. Never yeah, seen it. Yeah. And it's only been until recently that I've really, and I'm still trying to get through all the hammer movies, but it's, you could throw life force into the hammer cannon almost and just say, yeah. Hey, uh, vampires came from outer space and that's why Christopher Lee like is able to rematerialize. Yeah. 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 <laughs> every time, because he is a version of this that's, organism. Yeah, that's how yeah. you see him is Christopher Lee is his first version or whatever. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. And, and, and we're, if nobody, if the person didn't know any better, you could say, you want to watch a horror movie? And I mean, a hammer movie and put on that and they'd be like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Little, you know? Yeah. But yes. Uh, suddenly blood comes out of Armstrong and the other one's mouth and nose. The blood starts forming something. That's like a really cool. While like, they're in a helicopter. Dumb, yeah. Even the <laughs> dummies, you can see that they're dummies, but they're really well-made dummies. Like you've seen other shitty movies that do the dummies really bad where they don't even look like the person. These yeah. look like the person. The blood is going like sideways. It's a thing that you would want to see in a vampire hammer movie. Like, yeah, give me that. Yeah. And Hellraiser was only a year or two after this. And it, it has true. that when she transforms into that blood thing, it, it looks yeah. very Clive Barker-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, yeah. And it's just like, holy shit. Like what the hell? And then she just disappears. So it like scares you and then she's gone. And then they're like, we have to go to London. And you're like, oh shit. And the colonel's to blame for the whole thing. He opened her case. That's what I put here. I'm going to blame him just like I blame Tom, Tom Skerritt. <laughs> um, so uh, now we see it. So we see what he did, how he let her out. He's like, yeah, I was drawn to her. I couldn't help it. And London is exploded. And that's what's interesting. She never steals his life force. She's using him for something. I haven't dove into this yet. I don't know if we'll talk about it, but. She hasn't stole his life or she's using him for whatever she's using for. What do you think? Do you have a thought? Yeah. I think he's very much like a Renfield to Dracula. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has, he has like Renfield, he has him under mind control basically to get things that she needs. Um, the only, there's only, there's a, there's a little part in this movie with the Patrick Stewart thing where it almost feels like I always wondered, like, is this where they ran out of money? and oh right yeah oh they couldn't because i would have loved to have seen like the encounter of her and patrick stewart yeah and maybe they just sort of ran out of money so they just came up with the put your hand on her shoulder and we'll just uh explain that in dialogue you know the, yeah yeah oh, <laughs> yeah it well yeah it's it's interesting too. the end of this when they're in of course it's because they're in london because shit's going crazy where it's almost like american werewolf in london where it's just like shit's going crazy um, not as it's going crazier, but London's exploding. There's mayhem in the streets. They meet with the prime minister and that part where he's like, kind of like, hang on, hang on a minute. And they're like, we're kind of in a hurry. Like we need to do some shit. And then he calls the secretary in there and you see that he's been affected, infected. And you're like, oh shit, it's one of them. And 
two infected garbs grab onto the helicopter skids. It is it's taken off. Really cool thing of one of the guards trying to hold on and grab his other hand and the skin comes off of his hand and he oh, falls yeah. like it's really cool effect. And then the other one's like, yeah. And then the other one's coming up another cool effect where he's like, I need a gun, whatever. And the guy's like, here's the uh, flare gun. And he shoots that into the guy and knocks him off the thing. Very cool. Fucking awesome. Yeah. And there's uh, like uh, those, those John Dykstra shots of the, of the life force coming through London through the subway station. And yeah, those are just so cool. Cause they look so, they actually do look pretty real, like apocalyptic, yeah. like kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. And where it doesn't look like I've said about golden child, you watch that and you're like, Oh, this is really bad CGI. This you watch and you're like, Oh, this looks, it all looks natural. It looks great. Yeah. And it's not yeah. like, Spielbergy close encounters yeah friend, friendly kind of yeah, yeah. Li- well it does it does have that raiders well it's uh, it's more well, the covenant like when the ghostbusters all the all the ghosts are all around it's kind of that where it's over yeah. the city and it's you know but really it does cool. kind of feel like the covenant has been opened up and it's just running rampant <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the city's under martial law and they have to land and then they're quarantined and you're like, shit, what are they going to do? But then right away, they're like, we need to talk to somebody. And, you know, and they're talk to the head military guy. And the spaceship is collecting souls. And Carlson found her. She's sending the souls through her to the spaceship, which is cool. I don't mean to rush through this, but I'm just reading this. until We get good. to something cool. Uh, Colonel has to mate with her to give her some of her power back. And the colonel leaves. And Kane's like, where the fuck? What do you mean you left? And obviously he took some big car. I don't know how he took that. Like one of their military vehicles. Kane follows after him. And Carlson stops his car for a second and is attacked by the infected. So that's where he's kind of in a trance of like her. And now they're all gathering around him. And he's like, oh, shit, wait a minute. And this is where this is the part where he reminded me of Anthony Perkins for some reason, look on his face or something. He wasn't eating candy corn, but he reminded me of Anthony Perkins. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part in Psycho, him eating the candy corn, telling his head the way that shot. Just him like, oh, she did yeah. sign in. Huh. Damn, I forgot to erase that. <laughs> well, there's that scene also, too, where he's where you talk about where he's sitting in the truck and he's just looking at the church and there's just dead bodies piled up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just sitting there contemplating. And I was just thinking like, man, he's doing all this stuff for a chick. Like, look yeah, at the yeah. mess that we've made here. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, you don't care. You're just, like, focused, like, singly yeah, focused on one thing. But that's probably pretty true for human beings. Like, mankind will, will do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, here, take a love. bite of this apple. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, anyway. So he finds her. No, it's very true. And it's there's, like, a lot of carnage where it's kind of... What was it? There's some other movie where they do that. They kill the one and then all the others lose their hypno. Like they're all on this, a mind oh, well, hive well, and then well, you kill the like, one. Yeah. It's like Dracula. Basically you yeah, kill yeah. the master. You, yeah. everyone else goes back to normal. Yeah. Uh, except they got two holes in their neck, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> the uh, Kane stops to talk to Falada. Falada has been infected and knows where she is. And Kane kills Falada. So, that part was cool too and interesting because they did it in like three shots. So it was like 
him stabbing Falada. Then they show Falada's like the body, skeleton body, and then they cut to it again. It's just like dust, and it's yeah. there. And he looks he looks awesome when he's like his face yeah. is bubbling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same thing with the other guy when he's bringing the force back, and his face starts bubbling up, mm-hmm. and it's his him filling out his skull. It's really yeah. cool that first guard. Carlson finds her and approaches her. She wants him to come with her. Kane is running towards the cathedral and fighting his way through the infected, which is pretty cool. One of the male aliens is at the door of the cathedral. This is where I put it. He looks like Alan Rich, Rich, Richson from Reacher. Uh, Kane stabs and kills the male vampire. So it's cool because he got that behind his back and he's like, hey, what's going on? And he's got like a uh, Skeletor. Is that the sword from uh, Master oh, of the Universe? He-Man. It's going to be yeah. coming out in a couple. Yeah. Um, Kane stabs and kills a male vampire. He turns into his natural form and then blows up. Kane is now inside. He sees her and Carlson making out and probably about to have sex because they're both naked. She says that he is one of them. And she says that he is one of them. Kane is yelling for him, but he can't quite hear him. So this is cool, too, and interesting because, again, I'm not all on his side. I know that he's the character that's telling us all the exposition that we need to know, but I'm still on Kane's side. Cause like you said, Kane looks badass in his trench coat. He's a cool guy. Like, give me a story all about this guy. Yeah. And which well, and Carlson is just kind of at this point, he's he's kind of neutered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he's, he's her he's, pu- he's her Renfield now. Yeah. 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 Except that he uh, except when he finally hears him and he reaches up uh, and Kane hands him the sword to kill her with and he kills her and himself, stabs right. them both. And it, and she gives him this look like, what the hell? Like, I thought you were my Renfield. Um, that's a great analysis, by the way. That's why I use it three times. Renfield's perfect. Um, the connection is now lost to Earth and the spaceship flies away. So it's a little red goes with them but in the center of the spaceships, lighting up blue, and you're like, "Oh, they're gonna be back." And this is where it, I said, it isn't. It's not like a concrete ending. Like it, mm-hmm. the the way I read it was that he killed her he, and him. He damaged and it. infected, almost like gave the spaceship, the vampire spaceship, a virus of some sort. That's what I was thinking of. But I thought then the whole thing might have turned red, mm-hmm. but. It was kind of blue, so it's like there's a little hope, like it is an ambiguous ending, maybe. Yeah. But I did put here, um, where is Life Force 2 Electric Boogaloo? That's what I want. <laughs> hey, um, uh, you never know. But it's got some good stuff in it. And then the end. And so now I'm really double questioning my uh, thing, but we'll see what you rate it. But first, reviews, Rotten Tomatoes, Critical Consensus reads, Quote, brazenly strange and uneven in its execution. Life Force is an otherworldly sci-fi incursion punctuated with off-kilter horror flourishes. End quote. So now to our questions. In this movie, did you see anything you think Tarantino might have liked or used in a film? I could see him liking it. Like, if you saw this with a good audience, it would be, like, just fun. Gangbusters fun and, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he would have seen. I mean, maybe, um, I don't have no idea if he's a, I know he's a Hammer fan, I think, but I don't, you know, I don't know if 
if maybe he saw some of those things i could see him liking uh kane you yeah. know with the trench coat you know yeah. the british stereotypical british kind of badass guy who has to use his brains and his muscle at the same time yeah. that kind of thing you know i don't know that's a good question i never and I, maybe the maybe the little thing of just a regular thing of when you think it's going one way and it turns you that that's the bad guy and they attack you know the patrick stewart is the alien and they gotta attack him yeah, yeah. um our rating system here is one to five, five being the best. I'm going to move my rating up like I originally should have done, but then I moved it down. So I rate this movie three and a half, but I had moved it down to three because I was like, it's better than average, but I think I'm going to go three and a half. The more we talk about it, the Renfield thing is kind of makes sense. Like the, the Patrick Stewart thing was cool. Like what are you, the screaming? Yeah, I I'd say three and a half too. I mean, I would go four, maybe mm -hmm. three and three quarters, but yeah. I just, I, it's not like you can't look at this movie and say, oh, it's a great story. To me, it feels like a rough draft of like really kick ass ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and yeah. they're just not all executed the way they should be. And I think that is clearly because of canon involvement. Of Toby Hooper's involvement, you know, yeah, I watched I, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and a lot of the British guys were saying there was a lot of cocaine on set. Oh uh, yeah, a lot of people were high. Uh, that they basically gave Toby like car blanche, and cocaine was one of the line items on the <laughs> <laughs> yeah on I, the budget. But and but that may be that might also be what makes it great. Yeah, yeah, I could you see know? him. Yeah, I could see him being. Um, I could see him being like, you know, I have all that I want. I can make my movie now that I want to make and going a little too much. And yeah. maybe it's like when you just said that, it reminded me of like Maximum Overdrive is maybe the way it is because of the cocaine that yeah. King was doing. Like it makes it a little better. And what would this movie be like if there was no cocaine? Would it have been too dry? Would it have been not as fun? You know what? But it's a thing also when this movie comes on TV or on Pluto, like I have, I have Pluto where, you know, you put on the channel and it'll play whatever you go to, whatever channel movies yeah. playing right now, mission impossible two or whatever. This is one where if I catch it on TV, I'd sit there and watch the rest of it. Like it's always yeah, fun same. to watch. Yeah. Same thing. Whenever it's on, I just kind of sit and watch it and there's always something new in it that you discover. Yeah. And, and I mean, going back to the Toby Hooper thing too, I think, that he was given everything that he could want mm -hmm. and maybe he wasn't maybe he couldn't maybe he couldn't handle that yeah maybe yeah. it was too much yeah and he was like oh my gosh i have all this stuff like i don't even know where to start but i'm just gonna like go and see yeah. what happens until yeah. they pull the plug and they did pull the plug yeah yeah no <laughs> it's him. it's interesting too i don't know enough about him but i would like to see what his it's just like bob clark like bob clark did black christmas but he also did a christmas story mm -hmm. and you're like and but then he did that other one about the vietnam vet that comes back and he's like haunted and whatever i forget the name of it but it's like what is bob clark's movie that he was actually made to make that is his love letter to make you know like 
you know, like maybe he's like, I made Black Christmas, but that's just a movie I made. My real one that I love is X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. Same thing with Toby Hooper. I'd like to see if he was like, I'm proud of Chainsaw Massacre. He's probably proud of it. But if he's like, I really like what we did with Life Force or I really like what I did with, you know, uh, Funhouse, you know, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking that's more his thing. It's like Funhouse, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2, like kind of fun, scary you know yeah i think he enjoyed film i think he was a film fan you mm-hmm. know and i think he he made this movie because he was a fan of hammer and i think he he wanted to just kind of like have a good time and i don't want to label him as i know we've talked about him using cocaine a lot but that's right. pretty widely known but yeah. from all accounts of people that i've met that worked with him and interviews i've seen you can't find an interview where they say that he's not like the nicest guy right yeah they've ever worked with yeah you know exactly yeah and you know like you brought up maximum overdrive i'm sure stephen king like there's story i've read stories about that movie where they said he woke up he had his family on set and there and trailers and stuff and he was like a family guy had breakfast with his family and said goodbye to them every morning and then did some coke and then went and directed maximum (laughs) overdrive (laughs) so yeah uh it's interesting to just i mean it's probably a lot whatever to get off on a small tangent before we get back to one more question um is that that disney or marvel has not tried to be like hey maximum overdrive you owe us money because you use green goblin or you can't show this we got to re-edit it or something like they've left it alone which is cool and i think sometimes it's just like yeah nobody watches that but unbeknownst to them people like it yeah yeah, I heard a story. I think it was uh, there's some sort of a car wash and I don't know, some little country somewhere and it's called Star Wash. And everyone that works there dresses up like a Star Wars character, like Chewbacca washes your windows and <laughs> yeah. C-3PO does your dash and all this stuff. And it's a it was a big hit. And they wanted to I don't know if they wanted to trademark it, but they wanted to do some sort of something with the trademark office. And Lucasfilm got word of it and they shut it all down, made them stop. And it's uh, just like, man, come yeah. on. You, yeah. You really going to make money off of a having a car wash shut down? Yeah. Well, that's like they have, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's still uh, up. Scum and Villainy, like in LA, is like a Star Wars type, you know, where it's like a cantina, but it's not, nothing says Star Wars, but it looks like the cantina yeah. inside but would you buy this movie rent it or find it for free do uh, you own this movie oh yeah yeah i don't have the i don't have the 4k i have the one that came out before this the blu-ray with the director's cut and then the theatrical cut i was gonna the- buy that but part of me was like do i like i don't have much room should i buy that maybe i'll wait buy something else but it was fun i was more interested in the special features i think as a purchase because um that like we've been talking about there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes yeah i found i wanted uh, to learn about if anybody want to look up it's called cannon fodder and it's on youtube i didn't get to watch it it's an hour and something minutes long but it's cannon fodder the making of life force and so they say that's pretty cool um let's see Uh, other than wrapping it up you want to hear phil's film favorite of the week sure so Sam was on at the end of last season 
and he talked about these Bronx Warriors movies. And he and I always thought that they were kind of like a um, like a Mad Max type. And he's like, no, they're more like the Warriors. Mm-hmm. So I watched 1990, the Bronx Warriors from 1982 in a post apocalyptic New York City. A policeman infiltrates the Bronx, which has become, oh, Vic Morrow again, which has become a battleground for second murderous several murderous street gangs so i give this one 3.5 stars it was fun it's got a guy named trash he's like the main guy the dark-haired guy with the long hair um and it's really cool and even got somebody with a knife in their shoe where they you know do their foot and a little knife comes out of the end of their foot like rosa Klebb and uh james yeah. bond it's very cool um so i enjoyed it uh and i'm in the middle of watching the sequel right now and there's three of those i guess uh Castellari did those Enzo Castellari he did this one he did uh escape from the Bronx and then he did the new the new warriors no the new new barbarians new barbarians which is which is great yeah (laughs) there's some crazy shit I've seen the so it's all on Criterion channel if anybody has a Criterion channel it's on there oh really those are all in the Criterion yeah they just released a post-apocalyptic section so they have like um I can't think of the name of the movie, but they have all these and they have escape from New York and um, some others. Have you watched anything recently that you would like to share? Uh, I went to see poor things at the theater. Was that, I hear that's really good. I really liked it. However, mm-hmm. uh, there were, it was a pretty full theater when I saw it. Hold on. My cat's going to make an appearance. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. Get out of here. Um, But I could, there was at least a 50% walkout. Um, oh, wow. Which didn't surprise me. And this me. was after the Golden Globes? It was actually during the Golden Globes, I oh, think. Oh, wow. So, so when That's I got back amazing. home, it had yeah. won some some stuff. But I really liked it. Um, it's a very uh, challenging concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to go in saying that this is a sci-fi movie or a fantasy film. Mm-hmm. Um, don't think of it as this is happening in our reality because it's not right and knowing uh lanthimos or whatever knowing that guy um yeah yorgos did i say his right i I think so yorgos Um, lanthimos yeah yeah somebody was saying oh that's how you say his name when they said it on the tv everybody's like oh that's how you really say his name yeah um but and i I wasn't a huge fan of the favorite i thought it was okay i liked Uh, it I, my wife actually went and saw that with me and she was pleasantly surprised it was yeah. good but yeah it's not not for everybody which you can see like yeah and he you know i don't know if you remember that movie very well but he uses a lot of fisheye lenses and mm-hmm. wide angle lenses and if you think there was a lot in the favorite it's <laughs> probably tenfold oh in wow. this one yeah. you know he's using a lot of antique lenses and that's cool crazy stuff so it i enjoyed it on a I guess a experimental level, experimental level, but also self-indulgence. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, as I get older, I, I, I don't like self-indulgence as much as I used to, but in this case, I kind of, I kind of dug it. I I thought Emma Stone was amazing. She was really great in it. That's cool. It's like upset about um, Jason, man. I just had the name on the tip of my tongue. And now all that's coming is James Franco, not James Franco. The guy that did Succubus, Jesse, Jess Franco, 
Oh, yeah, that yeah. It's like his movies where you're like, is this self-indulgent or is he actually have something weird to say? It's like also they put a bunch of Ken Russell movies on the Criterion channel. And that's one yeah. also where you're like, this guy's like he's doing something, you know, he's just like, I'm going to make a movie for me and yeah. you'll either catch up or you won't. And it's, you know, same thing that I like about Chris Nolan is he won't be like, let me explain everything about Inception to you. I'm just going to drop you in and you figure it out. You better figure it out quick. Same thing with Inception or uh, the uh, Interstellar. It's like, I'm not going to yeah. explain it to you. You just figure it out. Yeah. You ready to tell them what's coming up? Go ready? for yes? it. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> Come back next week on February 16th when I'm joined once again by Dave Lizabrom for... Hard Bodies, 1984. I haven't seen that movie since. That's the one where he says, fuck you in 50 different languages. Oh, man, I haven't seen that in a long time. I remember I remember the box for Hard Bodies 2. I think it's, <laughs> oh, maybe it hard, hard Bodies 2 is what I think. <laughs> Corey Gaines was in that. Hard Bodies. Three middle-aged guys rent a beach house to hopefully score with young, single women, not having what it takes, the men hire a sexy young surfer, Scotty, to teach them some game and help them meet girls. Interesting. Mm. So, yeah, here is a trailer. Columbia Pictures proudly presents a minor motion picture event. A film with absolutely no redeeming social value whatsoever. A film that has won not five, not three, but absolutely no Academy Award nominations. A film that luminaries like Bergman, Fellini, Spielberg, and Lucas had absolutely nothing to do with. A film that every critic in America has unanimously hailed as a motion picture. This is Hard Bodies. The film that will teach you important new words like Hard Bodies. It means perfect little foxes down on the beach. BBD. It's a bigger and better deal. And Wuss. Yeah, she said we got a lot more class than an immature boy like you. Oh, man. That Wuss. That Wuss. It will answer important questions. Where became a romance? You want romance? I read a novel. You want me? I'm upstairs. Expand your language skills. My friend Rag here is multilingual. He's flipping you off in 48 languages. Explore the wonders of nature. Look at these hamstrings, these glorious maxims. This is the body of the 80s. To travel where no man has gone before. And how to effectively plan your day. First, we'll make love. Then we'll go for a jog. And then we can come back and make love again till we bounce off the wall. Sounding like your eggs. Hard Bodies is stuffed with fine dialogue. It's over easy, okay? Lavish costumes. The latest in special effects. Well, is everything turned on now? Everything is now. And an important message for all. Party, 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 party! It runs about an hour and a half, raised the Encino Gazette. It's shot with movie film, just like E.T., says the Schenectady World Bulletin. 
And Utah Today calls it absolutely the best film we have seen this afternoon. If you see only one movie this year, then go see this one also. Pod Bodies. If you don't know what they are, you don't know what you're missing. All right. So where can people find you again? YouTube and... You can go to cinemaforce.net. That'll take you to the YouTube page, or you can go to YouTube and just type in Cinema Force, or you can go to Instagram and type in Cinema Force, and there I will be. Right. Yeah, they're good stuff, guys. I got Sam checking your stuff out. I got uh, I got uh, Paul checking your stuff out. So send everybody there. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us. We hope you had fun and maybe learned something about a movie that may have had a part in making Tarantino. Goodbye. Bye-bye.